At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back into another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Danny Burke, your host here, as always, at Danny Burke 5, or you can follow me on Twitter. And remember, you can always get a hold of my show, Rush Hour, which is on VSIN, the sports betting network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. And I'm broadcasting live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook there in Des Plaines, Illinois, at the Rivers Casino. If you're ever making your way down, say what's up to us at the booth. If you can't make it down, well, you can always get a hold of us naturally at VSIN.com or the VSIN app. Fubo TV or Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, and iHeartRadio, meaning wherever you get your podcasts available, you can get a hold of not only my show Rush Hour, but all of the 24-7 live streaming content that VEASAN has to offer. Here on the Chicago City Cast today, folks, we finally get a night game for the Cubs to look forward to. And I say finally in the sense that when I'm previewing this game on the City Cast, it'll give you more time to prepare and digest it, analyze it, and make a bet. Whereas I'm sure when you're listening to some people, while well, you're listening maybe after the Cubs game or while it's going on, or you know what I'm saying, it's a little bit too late by the time it gets released. So it's a nice change of pace. The Sox are playing a day game. Not really going to preview it too much because by the time this gets released, it'll probably be around first pitch so we'll hold off on the Sox today we'll focus in on the Cubs 
at Coors Field against the Rockies. Chris Bryant sure to have a stellar series because, well, that's just the way it goes. Uh, furthermore, we have some action with hockey tonight. We faded the Blackhawks when they played the Kings, and the Kings did the job, and they got it done, and we cashed on that. But are we looking to fade the Blackhawks tonight? Kind of a uh, more even matched game with the Sharks who are just pretty much as brutal right now on as bad of a streak. We'll get into that in a sec against the Blackhawks. So one of these team streaks are going to end. Who is it going to be is the question. Second part of the show, I want to revisit our playing game bets because as of this moment, folks, it has set up perfectly exactly how we envisioned it. And if you follow it along, we are looking good and we will discuss if there's any hedging opportunities we may want to pursue. Okay, and furthermore, I talked about this on Rush Hour. I did not talk about this on the CityCast really yet, but I did end up making a bet for the Bucks and the Bulls series. And in case you missed it, in case you didn't see the Twitter clip that was tweeted out, I'll kind of just revisit my thought process and why there's a better value play for one bet versus the other, which is virtually the same. It just has a different tag on it. So we'll get into that in the second part of the show. I highly suggest you stick around till then because very good advice that I think you should follow when it comes to betting the Bulls and the Bucks. So I like going over that and giving you better numbers than what you maybe think is a better option to bet. Well, you could bet something that's literally the same for a better price. So we'll get into that in the second part of the show. All right, the Mile High City, the Rockies hosting the Cubs, and Colorado coming into this game feeling pretty good about themselves. They're 4-1 to start their 2022 Major League Baseball campaign. The Cubs, 3-2. and two. Eh, You won't hate it, but a little bit salty. They couldn't win both games against the Pirates, and we'll get into that in a second with Kyle Hendricks and whatnot. But yeah, the Cubs, 3-2 and two coming into this game. The Rockies, 4-1. and one. Now, currently at Bet Rivers, the Rockies are the favorite, minus 120. The Cubs are plus 104. If you're looking for the total runs, 11.5 is the number, and that's where it opened as well. There's a little bit of juice toward the under, minus 113. The over is minus 105. Now, if you're not too familiar with Coors Field, the Rockies, and baseball in general, well, Coors Field is the number one hitter's ballpark. The dimensions make it perfect for hitters just being on the higher altitude the ball soars more so that's why you're always going to get a higher total hence why it's as high as 11 and a half typically with this Cubs offense you wouldn't see it that high and it's not a knock on the Cubs offense but really they haven't been a powerhouse as of late they're going to be more of a contact hitting team not a power team aside from our guys say Suzuki again more on him in a second because we're feeling great about Suzuki Looking at this pitching matchup, oh, really quick, I, what I forgot to say. So the Rockies, like we said, they're minus 120, but they opened as high as minus 140 in the minus 140s, depending on where you look. Now, Bet Rivers, they opened up the Rockies minus 125, the Cubs plus 108, but some other shops had them as high as in the minus 140. So the market has been respecting the Cubbies, so to speak, or at least looking at this game going, yeah, maybe the Rockies deserve to be the favorite, but not as high as minus 140 or so. And I would tend to agree with that. And, you know, a lot of times, especially in hockey, I definitely want to be on the right side of the market. And you always want to respect it and be cognizant of it. But baseball, and it's going to be me beating a dead horse, but we know it's such a long, grueling season and there's so many ups and downs. And just because a market moves to one team versus the other, now, this is applied to every sport and every game when it happens. It doesn't mean that it's a guaranteed right play or even the right play in general. 
but more so it could just be a bet on the number because baseball, considering it's such a long season, teams are going to be due for an upset now and then. Teams are going to be due to drop a game they shouldn't drop. Their bullpen is going to be faulty. Their hits are not going to be dropping. You know, there's so many little things that have to be calculated for such a large sample size in a game that's happening so often that a lot of times just because a market is moving away from a team or in favor of a team doesn't necessarily mean that could be the winner or the right side. It just could mean it's a bet on the price. Because again, if you were getting the Cubs, I don't know, maybe over plus 120, well, they, they see a Cubs team that had Justin Steele with a pretty solid start against Milwaukee and a team that probably could make the Rockies pay in a hitter's ballpark with some contact hitting. So it's more so just, hey, the Cubs shouldn't be this big of a dog. I'll take advantage on the price while I can't. Now, if you're on the other side and you're going, well, okay, I get it. The Cubs shouldn't have been that big of a dog, but now you're getting me the Rockies only minus 120. Then you could look to buy back on Colorado going, all right, this is a better bargain for the Rockies now that the price has moved and I won't have to lay as much. That's kind of the way I'm looking at this game. I don't know if I'm going to bet the Rockies, but I do gravitate a tad bit more so toward Colorado. Look, speaking of Justin Steele, again, the Southpaw had a fantastic start against Milwaukee. Went five innings pitched, allowed just four hits, no earned runs, one walk, and struck out five batters. Now, yes, that was a fantastic start, but how much was it for the fact that Milwaukee is just stunk with their bats as of late? Or is it that Steele is going to take a step forward? It's really impossible to tell considering he's only had one start this year. Well, it's a lot better than what he did last year, naturally, because in 2021, he was 4-4 four four with an ERA of 4.26, an XFIP of 4.21, and a WHIP of 1.35. Now, the average XFIP, remember, is 3.80. The average WHIP is 1.30, so he's below average in both categories, not on the right side that you want to be on. Uh, Steele did pitch better away from Wrigley Field last year, oddly enough. So on the road, he had a 2.30 ERA, a WOBA, a weighted on-base average for their opponents, 295, 399x FIP, and at home, in comparison, he had a 6.07 ERA, a 365 WOBA, and a 4.41x So if you don't really understand what those terms are, folks, he's he did a lot better on the road. At Wrigley Field, he was atrocious last season. He did go against Colorado once at Wrigley Field, and he only went 3.2 innings pitched, allowed five hits, four earned runs, two walks, struck out five guys. The Rockies sported a 3.33 batting average against Steele that day at Wrigley Field. But again, this game is not at Wrigley Field where he has struggled. But my issue is, yes, he did better on the road, but he didn't face the Rockies on the road. He didn't go to Coors Field. So I don't think this is going to be a game where you look at Steele and go, yeah, he did well on the road last season. He'll probably do it here. Nah, nah, nah. Coors Field is kind of the exception to that, right? That's why I don't really trust him in this spot. I give the slight advantage to the home team that has experience there. Kyle Freeland that has experience there, grew up in Colorado. The team knows the field a little bit better. And I'm not saying there's a complete home field advantage here for the Rockies, but there's a slight one just because of the unfamiliarity with Justin Steele and not as much power in this Cubs lineup. So looking at Kyle Freeland, also a southpaw, in his one start in 2022 thus far, tough draw against the Dodgers, only went 3.2 innings pitched, 
allowed five hits and five earned runs, struck out six, and walked two guys. The Dodgers won that game 5-3. to three. Now in 2021 for the larger sample size, Freeland went 7-8, and 4.33 ERA, 4.26 XFIP, and a 1.42 WHIP. Now you'd be thinking, Danny, well those numbers are worse than Justin Steele. You're right. But also you have to consider Kyle Freeland, a majority of his games are being pitched at home which stinks for any pitcher in general, but especially for a Kyle Freeland who's not a great pitcher, sometimes he can be above average, but when he's pitching at Coors Field, yeah, he's going to trend in the wrong way. That's just going to be the case. At Coors, he had an ERA of 4.83, a 365 Wobo, which is awful, and a 4.14 XFIP, which is actually a little promising. Now, the Woba's concerning, the ERA is concerning, but the XFIP, the true indicator, 4.14, not bad. I thought it'd be higher. Now, he did go against the Cubs once last year. Just in five innings, he only allowed two earned runs and four hits, five Ks. Cubs hit 222 against Kyle Freeland. So not too shabby, actually. believe that game was at Wrigley, but Kyle Freeland, decent outing. I get it. New team, different players, different outlook. We understand that, but still want to reference it. I give the slight advantage to Freeland and the Rockies here. It'll be interesting to see where this market moves. Now, again, I'm recording this at about before 11 a.m. The Rockies, as of this point, are minus 120. The Cubs are plus 104. You've already seen the initial movement go toward the Cubs. I will be curious to see if there is some late attention as you get closer to first pitch going toward Colorado. Now, again, we talk about movement and respecting the market. Just because the initial movement goes toward one way doesn't mean that's how it's going to end up. You know, Josh Applebaum, Beeson's betting reporter, he follows the market movements. He tracks the market lines and, and where everything's moving for so many sports. That's what he does. He's an expert in it, and he's actually going to be on Rush Hour tonight. We'll talk more about it. And one time I asked him, I'm like, you know, Josh, and this pertained to the NFL season. So, Josh, what, what do you consider more significant, the initial movement looking at opening lines for the NFL or the closing movements, being if a line opens on Monday morning and, say, the Bears are catching three and a half and, oh, all of a sudden it goes to the Bears plus two and a half. So that's showing that the market likes the Bears, right, the initial movement. But then say, like, I don't know, an hour before a kickoff, it goes back to three and a half. Which one do you take more into account now of course this depends where you have already made your bets but he said the more important steam not by much but a little bit in his eyes are the movements that come right before the game begins because a lot of times at the beginning yeah you might have too much of an inflated line too much of an exaggeration so those numbers are going to just be hit based on the principle of the number may be a little bit too out of control right not more so on what you actually think about the team. And by the course of the week or by the hours, minutes, seconds it takes to get to game time, you know, a lot of pro bettors will bet one side so they can get a better number on the other side and then they'll hit that side harder, all right? And I'm not saying all this is going to be calculated for this specific Rockies and Cubs game, but just for a lesson to be aware of, there could be late line movement for the Rockies right before first pitch. And to me, that would signal that, the Rockies are probably the right side in this game, which I'm already thinking, but I am a little cautious just because it's been a lot of movement toward the Cubs. So in my standpoint, I'm waiting. 
And in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, if there is movement on the Rockies, I kind of have a boundary set of how high I would bet it to. Like if it if it was moving like minus 120, minus 125, minus 128, I wouldn't be like, ah, you know, I missed it by eight cents. And this is just me personally. Not everyone has to think this way. I would look at this and go, hey, if the Rockies got some attention, I would probably bet them up to minus 130. That would be the barrier of where I would go, yeah, I I like where this line is going. And even though I didn't get them at minus 120, I like the markets. I like that the market's moving their way, and I would play it up to minus 130. So that's that's kind of the way I'm looking to approach this game specifically with the Cubs and the Rockies. Now, I'll probably have some other plays that I'm making officially. Again, I'll list those out on Rush Hour. But I do got the small lean toward Colorado. And, you know, uh, I'll, I'll let you know on Rush Hour if I do end up making it an official play. Let's stick on the Cubs for a couple more reasons. Let me talk to you about Kyle Hendricks. Now, I warned you all about this before the season. And it's not that nobody's known this or talked about it. But you can't trust Kyle Hendricks. I get it. It's one game after he had a great opening day. But this is what I said even before opening day. Kyle Hendricks will get you an outstanding start every now and then. Just enough to get your hopes up. And then he'll go and throw batting practice. That is exactly what happened. Great opening day outing against the Brewers. Then what does he do? He goes to Pittsburgh and virtually playing a triple-A team gives up six earned runs against the freaking Pittsburgh Pirates. Folks, if he's not on his 100% A game, if he's missing the zone, if his ball doesn't have the movement, these hitters are teeing off because he doesn't throw fast. He doesn't have any movement on it. It is just easy batting practice. And he pitches a lot worse away from Wrigley. Even if it's a team like the Pirates, all I'm saying is that you still got Cubs fans. You've still got people who bet, maybe not pros more so, but people who just know the name Kyle Hendricks and know that he is, in quotes, supposed to be the Cubs ace and what he did on opening day. And I don't know. I mean, he had the rain with the Cubs in the World Series. What I'm saying is they still think that he has all this glory because it's just a name recognition bet at this point. But really, he has regressed every single season. We discussed this. A couple, I guess a week ago at this point. So the market may be still high on Kyle Hendricks. What I'm telling you is you could take advantage of it by fading him. And I'm not saying he's an auto fade. You got to pick and choose your spots most definitely. But I absolutely would not be trusting Kyle Hendricks. I'm probably never going to bet on him unless there's some unforeseen circumstances that make it a good outlook. It's either going to be a fade or a pass when it comes to me betting Kyle Hendricks this season. I can't trust him. I don't know how you can. And it's not to say he's not going to have great starts. Like I'm saying, he ha- he will have one once every, I don't know, probably ever every fourth game or something like that. But more consistently, he's probably going to be doing more harm than he is good. And it's not a knock on the guy. We all love Kyle Hendricks and how great he has been and what he could be. Okay. But he's getting up there in years. And... I don't know, guy. He just doesn't have it anymore. And you've and that's been apparent, right? You can't deny that. The stats show the regression. The spin rate, I'm sure, is down. And the velocity's never really been there. Hendricks is a fade or pass for me this season with the Cubbies. I'll root for him, absolutely. Why wouldn't I? I love him. I love the Cubs. But we got to look objectively, and the goal is to make money and avoid losing it, and that would be avoid trusting Kyle Hendricks. 
Case in point, giving up six damn runs to the Pirates. But that doesn't mean that it's all negative for the Cubs, folks. There is a positive angle to look at, and hopefully you did get down on it as we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Maybe it was on Tuesday, but Seiya Suzuki, I told you how the fans already love him. They're embracing him, and he has been an absolute dog out there on the field. This guy is for real. Now, I was saying, hey, maybe take a flyer on him at 3-1 to one to win NL Rookie of the Year. Is the value tremendous? No, it's not, but... Based on the rest of the field and the situation being that he's going to be relied upon as a top guy in the Cubs in comparison to what the other betting options were, whether it was pitchers or guys on bad teams or guys filling in for other superstars, being Abrams with uh, Tatis, Seiya Suzuki made the most sense, and he was already playing well. So he was at 3-1. to one. Now, I think after he hit his first home run against the Pirates, when he had two in that game, by the way, I was sitting before my show started for Rush Hour in the sports book, and I'm going, man, I mean, this guy's going to start getting national attention. It's incredibly early, but he's been the superstar for the Cubs thus far. Ian Happ's been doing really well, too. But the point is, say I already had a lot of hype coming in around him, this dude could maybe even be in the slight conversation for MVP. Do I think he wins it? No. But that just means he is warranted even more so to garner your respect for NL Rookie of the Year. So my point is, I figured the odds were going to shift. So I looked around, and most books had it less than 3-1. to one, But Bed River still had it at 3-1. to one. So I tweeted out about it. My first overreaction bet, taking the trigger on Say Suzuki at 3-1. to one. Lo and behold, the dude hits another home run in the game. People are jokingly chirping me, going, well, it was against the Pirates. It might as well be a triple-A team. Hey, you're not wrong, but what you're incorrect about is that it doesn't matter that it's against them because it's still going to show up in the stats at the end of the year when the voting ensues. So that is going to be huge that the Cubs get to play the Pirates and hopefully say it takes advantage of it. But he moved now to about 2-1 to at Bet Rivers to win NL Rookie of the Year. Folks, some shops have him like plus 170. So it was short to begin with that 3-1, to one, but just because you're not getting huge payouts doesn't mean it's not a good bet. And again, I know it's incredibly early, but it stacks up beautifully for our guy, Seiya Suzuki. He's 2-1 to one now at Bet Rivers, and, you know, I was just making the argument 3-1 to one short, but was still a good price based on where I thought it would move and because of the rest of the field and how he had the stronghold over them, in my opinion. And at 2-1, to one, would I still bet it? Me personally, because I had the 3-1, to one, no. I'm going to stick comfortably on that ticket. If you haven't gotten involved, I, look, you got to ask yourself, is it worth investing your money for the next, what, five months when so many things could happen, God forbid, you know, knock on wood. I mean, we hope he doesn't get injured, but something like that could happen. And that's the risk I'm taking, too. That's the risk you take with anything. But at such a short price, is it worth it? That's the question. I mean, well, let me give you the stats, and then you could determine it for yourself. In 15 at-bats, he has six hits, four runs, three home runs, nine RBIs. Five walks, five strikeouts, 400 batting average, 1,000 slugging, 1,524 with his OPS. Yeah, not too shabby. He's gotten a hit in every game and an RBI in every game except for the first. The dude is the real deal. If you don't mind having your money held up, 
Look, I think it's just going to keep moving down in favor of Seiya if he can continue to be the Cubs' top hitter or top two at least. I don't have any faith in the rest of these rookies, do you? Seiya's played every game. I'm not saying he's going to play every game, but he's going to be in a lot of them. Some of these other rookies ain't. And some of them don't get the national recognition that the Cubs get, especially when you get an international phenom in Seiya Suzuki. Potentially an international phenom, but obviously back in Japan, they love him. The Cubs fans already love him, and I love the bet for him to win NL Rookie of the Year. All right, let's transition now once again, uh, but we're going to go in a different sport because we got a Blackhawks game to look forward to tonight. Folks, the San Jose Sharks coming to town. The Sharks opened up as a plus 104 dog. The Blackhawks minus 123 at Bet Rivers as the favorite. Both of these teams in a massive slump. The Blackhawks 0-6-2 in their last eight games. They've gotten just 10 goals in their last six games, and the one time they scored more than two goals, well, they gave up six. Well, what about the Sharks? Well, they're 0-5-2 in their last seven games, and in the one time they have scored more than two goals during the losing streak, they gave up five. They have scored just 13 goals in their past seven games. These teams did square off on November 21st, 2021 at the United Center. Flurry and net, James Reimer and net, got the job done. Shut out the Blackhawks for his lone shutout of the year. Sharks won 2-0. Currently, the line at Bet Rivers has it closer to a pick'em, so uh, the Sharks have been getting a little bit of love. They're now minus 114 as the favorite. Blackhawks minus 103. Total is at 6 with a little bit of juice to the under. Minus 115. Is this game worth a bet? Well, you're betting on two crap teams, and it's really tough to gauge which one could outcrap the other one. I know we got involved with the Blackhawks game, the other matchup, but the Kings you could trust a little bit more so, and they had a lot to play for still with their seeding in terms of the postseason. Now, technically, the Sharks are not eliminated from postseason contention, but they're all but out of it. I mean, it's going to take a miracle for them to even get close. The Blackhawks have been eliminated. But still, the Blackhawks are just such a bad team that you still give the advantage to the Sharks, hence why the line has been moving their way. Uh, the Blackhawks also one for 11 on the power play over the last three games, heading into their matchup against the Sharks. And conversely, San Jose, they're entering tonight's game with the NHL's second-ranked penalty kill, 86%. They're killing off 25 of 26 power plays over that span. So look, the Sharks team does have its pros. We know the Blackhawks definitely have their cons. And that's maybe where we could capitalize. But let's investigate the goalie matchup first. Like we said, James Reimer's lone shutout this season already came at the UC against the Blackhawks. Well, he is projected to be the starter. Doesn't mean it's solidified. But right now, the projections look like it's going to be James Reimer. He's 18, 6, and 7. 2.77 goals against average, 91.5% on his saves, and again, one shutout, which happened against the Blackhawks on the road. And on the road this season, Reimer, 6-8-3, 2.78 goals against average, 91.5% with his saves, so pretty identical to what his overall numbers are. And by the way, in that game against the Blackhawks, got shot on 29 times and, of course, stopped 29 of them. He has lost his last four starts, though. We know how bad the Sharks have been. All right, what if the Blackhawks put in Kevin Lankinen, though? Because that looks like it could be the projected starter. Well, Lankinen, we know he has not done well, but let me give you the numbers here. Overall, Lankinen, 4-12-6, 2.76 
3.66 goals against average, 88.6% on his saves. Folks, that's terrible. At home, he is 3-4-2, 3.36 goals against average with a save percentage of 89.2%. All right, he does a little bit better at the United Center. However, he has lost his last six consecutive starts. Who do you trust more here? It's got to be the Sharks, folks. I mean, the Blackhawks are even admitting they're playing more of their young guys just to get some exposure on them and experience and just better looks and, you know, not relying on the Taves and the Canes and the Debrinkets more so for this team. So, I mean, they're still going to get their playing time, but I guess it's just going to be limited, so to speak. So I don't really see how you trust the Blackhawks here. I'm not saying I'm getting involved per se, but if I had to, I'd either look at the Sharks minus 114 or you could do the Sharks on the puck line at plus 225. Incredible value. I want to look a little bit deeper into this really quick for this Blackhawks losing streak to see how many times they've lost. Okay, so let's look at this. So when they lost against the Golden Knights, it was 5-4. to four. Then they lost to the Sabres 6-5. to five. So they covered the puck and a half there, but... Then they lost 4-0 at Florida, 5-2 at Tampa Bay, 3-2 versus the Coyotes, 2-0 versus the Kraken, 6-4 versus Stars, 5-2 versus the Kings. I don't know. If you really like the Sharks, I do not hate the idea at all of looking at the puck line with that value of plus 225. Or you could just do a little bit on the puck line, but your normal unit on the money line for the Sharks. Yeah, that may be a, that may be a thought. I honestly could take, I might take the puck line just because of the plus 225. Curious to see where some of these other numbers are at. Let me see if you could get some better value out there. And now it looks like Bet Rivers got the best number right now at minus one and a half, plus 225 if you think the Sharks not only win, but win by a couple. And look, folks, you know, I don't know what the exact numbers are, but I'm sure a lot of times when teams win, more often than not, it's by more than one goal because a lot of times with the empty net, you get opportunities to get the easier goal, so that obviously helps covering the puck line. So consider that great value with the Sharks. Shoot, I might as well throw a little bit of a flyer on it. But again, that is if you trust the Sharks in this game more so than the Blackhawks. Look, the Sharks have the goalie advantage. They're still technically not eliminated, and the Blackhawks are just that much worse. So it's got to be the Sharks or nothing here. All right. Coming up next here on the CityCast, we're going to talk basketball because we got to update our strategy with our playing game bets. We're looking great. It's setting up exactly how we wanted it to going into the second round of the playing games. I'll tell you what we had, what we're looking at, what those lines are, and how we may hedge our bets, if at all. Plus, I've got a bet for the Bucks in the Bulls series, and to tell you where a better number is on two bets that are virtually the same, but the book has a minor error. We'll discuss that next. Stick with us. It is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. No football? No problem, because BetRivers Sportsbook serves up tennis, soccer, hockey, college, pro basketball, and much more. So don't miss out on BetRivers' many daily specials, or try your hand at live player props or same-game parlays. No matter what you bet on, you can count on your withdrawal approval happening fast, with more than 80% of withdrawals approved instantly at BetRivers. So get started with life after football with the BetRivers app. Alrighty, back in the mix here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Again, I'm Danny Burke, your host. You can always follow along on Twitter 
at DannyBurke5. And always appreciate it if you like or subscribe to the podcast. So not only do you get notified right away, but, you know, helps your boy look a little bit better out there. So always appreciate the love. But thank you for tuning in as always. And hopefully you were able to follow some of the bets that we did play for these play-in games that will be going on once again on Friday. We saw the results. The Timberwolves won the NBA championship. Or wait, no. It was just a plan. Oh, my bad. By the way, they celebrated. I thought they won the finals. Well, the Timberwolves, they beat the Clippers, and the Pelicans easily defeated the Spurs. That was our thought process because I said, hey, looking at these numbers, the Clippers have the best value in terms of them to miss the postseason at plus 380. I said the Clippers, I think, will lose to the Timberwolves, and the Pelicans will beat the Spurs. But the Pelicans to make the playoffs was plus 340. The Clippers to miss the playoffs was plus 380. It's the same bet with the assumption that that was going to be the matchup. So that's why I took the better value at 40 cents more with the Clippers to miss the postseason. Now, here's the thing. You're still in a tough spot because I thought, hey, maybe you could hedge a little bit if you get the number early enough and the Clippers will be a favorite, but maybe just a small favorite. But they're actually a pretty sizable favorite uh, right now. They're about a four-point favorite, minus 175 on the money line. Let me see if I could find where this opener was for this game. So, the <laughs> wow, yeah, they opened a lot higher than I thought they would. So, they did open in some spots at like five, but at Bet Rivers, they opened four, and that's where they remain. Money line, minus 175, like we said, total 215 and a half. So, my thought process a little bit, I didn't think this one would come to fruition as is, or is likely that this one would come to fruition in the sense that it would be a good hedging opportunity, but I didn't think the Clippers would immediately open at four. I thought it'd maybe be like two and a half or something. But regardless, we're still sitting on a ticket that plus 380 with the Clippers to miss. The money line for the Pelicans is plus 145, so of course, you have a lot better number there right now. Now you technically still could hedge. You could lay the minus 175, or if you get a better number with the Clippers, it's not great because when you hedge, you want to be hedging with an underdog price or an even money price. So I get it. It's not great, but you could at least get some of your money back if you don't trust the Pelicans. Could also lay the four for a shorter price, but that could kill you because, hey, maybe the Pelicans lose by three, so you lose your Clippers to miss ticket and you lose the Clippers on the spread. That's why I would look more toward the money line. You could also have patience, wait in-game, see if you get a shorter number on the Clippers, and then take that approach, whether it's early right away or a little bit later in the game. You have a lot of different options with your nice, fat, plus 380, virtually a plus 380 money line ticket on the Pelicans right now. So the way I'm going to look to bet it, I'm probably, I guess, you know, I'm probably going to wait. I think the way I'm going to do it, is wait to see if the market comes in a little bit on the Pelicans. I don't know if they will. I don't know if these betters will be respecting the Pelicans as much as they'll be respecting the Clippers. Because to be honest, I kind of thought the Clippers were going to close things out against the Timberwolves. But somehow Minnesota found a way. However, in some spots, eh, the market is going toward the Pelicans as low as 3 in the hook. And money line as low as minus 167. So, you could wait. See if you get a better money line price. And that may be my approach or wait in game. I'll probably probably take a little piece. You know what? Here's what I'll probably do. And again, I'll let you know by tomorrow. But at this point, realistically, I'm going to wait in game and see. 
I'll trust the Pelicans here. The market's already moving their way. Why can't they win against this Clippers team? The Pelicans got scores. They looked great. I'll trust it for a little bit. And if things are getting out of hand, but it's still a close game, or even if the Pelicans get up, you could still hedge your ticket enough. But I like the fact of riding out the plus 380, seeing if you could get a reasonable enough hedge to get your money back. Depends on how much you invested, folks, and how comfortable you are with losing your investment, right? So if you at least want some security, you don't have to sweat it out, then look to bet on the Clippers, whether it's before or during. Obviously, the risk of doing it during is, hey, if the Clippers get off to a hot start, you're not going to get a good number. It's just going to go higher, higher, and higher. That's the risk in it. So that's where the security of betting it now, even though you're laying a steep price on the money line, could weigh in. It's all up to you. But I'll probably wait a little bit. We'll see where this number's baking out toward by the time I'm recording the CityCast and Rush Hour tomorrow. If I don't have an answer by then, I'll probably talk about it and have one by the time Rush Hour airs on Friday. But that's the way I'm kind of thinking about it right now. But we are in a beautiful spot for this Hawks and Cavaliers game. So we had our simulation in our head of what we thought would happen on the Western Conference, and we've nailed it to a T as of this point, except the Clippers opened up as a little bit of a higher favorite than I thought. As for the Eastern Conference, it was pretty much nailed it verbatim in the sense that the Hawks would beat the Hornets, the Nets would beat the Cavs, and that the Hawks would beat the Hornets in a pretty impressive fashion, and Cleveland gets pretty much stomped out by the Nets, that the Hawks would open up as a favorite. And they did. They opened up as a three-point favorite. Right now, you do see a little immediate love going toward Cleveland because now the line's at two and a half. But the actual movement for this game, let me pull it up really quick at Bet Rivers. We saw this thing open up. Tick, 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 tick. Stall, stall, stall. It, it actually opened up two. Some spots had it three, though. So it really depends on where you looked. But yeah, some places had Atlanta. It's a two-point favorite at the opener, even as low as one and a half I'm seeing, but some also had it at three, so it's varied a lot. But the point is, Atlanta opened up as the favorite, folks. That's what I'm getting to right now, and that's where you can get the great hedging opportunity because we figured the Hawks would win, the Cavs would lose, the Hawks would open up as a small favorite, and you could hedge on Atlanta with a dog price on Cleveland with the money line or even take the points because we had the Hawks to make the postseason ticket at plus 240. You see how great that is? If you envision these matchups coming to fruition, you would have way better value than what it would be when they matched up. And that's where we're sitting at, folks. Because now for the Hawks to make the postseason, it's minus 136. That's their money line price. We got it at plus 240. Stealing! I'm not saying it's going to come through, but we can hedge now with this Cavs money line. Because it's plus money, a lot easier to do. Shop around. Get as much as you can. Or sweat out the Hawks if you think that they're going to hold control here. I think they win this game. I still might hedge a little bit with Cleveland. I'm going to, again, wait to see where this market goes a tad bit. But I like the Hawks here. They're built for this style of play. Single elimination. They got lethal scorers all throughout. Trey Young can kill you. Their whole offensive starting lineup can kill you. Even they got depth on the bench. Now Cleveland is a young and exciting team. It's a year too premature. The injuries killed them. Right? I mean Sexton being out. Jared Mobley. Or not Jared Mobley. Jared Allen. What is his status going to be? That's going to be huge. Evan Mobley's been a good big guy. But he's a rookie. 
I, you know, they got some nice pieces, but the Hawks have the experience in the playoffs because of last year. Cleveland will be awesome next season, but I think the Hawks take advantage in this game on Friday. Now, I want to see, again, what that status of, uh, status, excuse me, of Jared Allen is going to be. Because if he is going to play, well, then the line is going to keep moving down. Let me see if there's anything of note right now. I'm looking at this, like, Cavs Nation site. Um, apparently, it's a coin flip, so 50-50. Now, it may pay dividends to err on the side of you're assuming he's playing just so you get a better number now than if he is playing, and then the line just kind of goes to a pick him, right? So the safe bet... The wise investing bet, I guess you could say, would be to take the underdog price on Cleveland right now. But again, make sure you shop around. I saw some plus 120s out there. Let me let me double check, see what we got here in the market. Because again, Bet Rivers was plus 120 before I started recording this. Now it's plus 114. So Cleveland getting a little bit of love here, folks. But yeah, you can get plus 128. That's the highest you can get right now in the state of Illinois. So do your due diligence. Shop around. Hedge a little bit if you followed us on the Hawks to make the postseason at plus 240. Looking great. Feeling great. Hopefully we get our bets. Because not only did we have that, but we had the exactas, folks. We had the Timberwolves to make it, the Nets to make it, the Hawks to make it, and the Clippers to make it at about plus 470. But hold up. Then we also had the Hawks, Timberwolves, Nets, and the Pelicans at 25 to freaking 1. We just need the Hawks to come through. And then we're winning money on that either way. That's the beauty of it, folks. They gave you way too good of odds. Simple handicapping. Just need the Hawks to come through for us. So if you did that, hey, maybe even a little bit more incentive to bet on Cleveland. But my point is, we're looking pretty solid. Need the Hawks to win. And then we're going to be making money regardless. Because if the Pelicans or Clippers win, well, we had that exactly. So we're good. But the Hawks, baby, we're counting on you. Might be smart to put a little hedge on Cleveland. We'll probably end up doing so. All right, looking to the actual established series that we have thus far, let's dive into the Bucks and the Bulls. Now, at Bet Rivers, when we talked about this originally, Bet Rivers didn't have the lines posted, but right now at Bet Rivers, the Bulls are plus 650 to win the series. The Bucks are minus 1115. We discussed some of these odds and the exact prices, meaning. What team would win and what would be the exact outcome? Now, you could bet the Bucks to sweep or the Bucks to win in five seems to be the popular consensus, and that's the way I was thinking about it. And the best number at that point for the Bucks to sweep was three to one, and for the Bucks to win in five was like plus 225. Well, not even like 12 hours later, it completely shifted and we missed the boat because now the best number is like for the Bucks to sweep plus 275 and to win in five, the best number is like plus 175. But at Bet Rivers specifically, the Bucks to sweep is plus 250. The Bucks to win in five is plus 170. So of course, yes, you still could do the bet. You could do 100 on each, for example, 100 for the Bucks to win in a sweep and you'd win 250 bucks. But if you're also betting the Bucks to win in five at plus 170, then you got to take out 100. So instead of winning 250, you'd win 150. And if the Bucks win in five, well, instead of winning 170, because you also bet on the Bucks to sweep, you would just win 70 bucks. You got to ask yourself, how confident are you in the Bucks to sweep? And if you are very confident, then yes, do that bet. 
but you could also do the series spread, meaning you could bet the Bucks minus two and a half at minus 186. This is saying the same thing, that the Bucks are either going to sweep or win in five, okay? That's what the spread series outcome bet is at Bet Rivers. But the price is minus 186. So theoretically, you could bet 186 to win 100, right? And if they win in five or sweep, you're going to get 100. But if you do the exact the prices and they win in five, well, you're only going to win 70 because you have to minus the 100 bucks you invested on the bucks to sweep. So you're investing less in the series spread and you have the potential to still win 100 even if they win in five. But also if they do sweep, well, then at that point you're missing out on 50 more bucks if you're looking at Bet Rivers odds. So again, that's why I'm saying it depends how much confidence you have in them sweeping. So would you rather maybe, I don't know, make 20 or have the possibility of making $30 less? Or are you afraid of missing out on the potential of making $50 more? Because that's a difference between the spread and the exactas, okay? And if you're kind of confused, okay, really quick, I'll just run it through you again. So the Bucks to win in a sweep is plus 250 at Bet Rivers. The Bucks to win in five is plus 170. For argument's sake, we're saying we're investing 100 in each because you think the Bucks are either going to sweep or win in five, and you're making money regardless if one of those come to fruition. So if you're betting 100 to win 250 on the sweep and 100 to win 170 on the Bucks in five, let's say they win in a sweep. So you win 250 bucks. Hey, nice. Oh, wait, but also you invested 100 in them to win in five. So you minus 100, that's still a plus 150 profit, meaning you're winning 150 bucks. All right, the other side of things is if, hey, you invest 100 in the sweep at plus 250 and 100 for the Bucks to win in five at plus 170 and they win in five, cool, you win 170 bucks. Oh, wait, but you got to take the 100 that you just lost from the Bucks to win in a sweep, which didn't come through. So you would net a $70 profit, all right? So either way, if the Bucks win in five or sweep, you're making money. It's either 150 with these odds at Bet Rivers or 70 bucks, depending on if they sweep or win in five. But I'm offering you an alternative. What if you do the spread series outcome? The Bucks minus two and a half at minus 186. Is that a better bet? Because for the Bucks to cover two and a half, it's the same thing. They got to win in a sweep or they got to win in five. Now, you would invest 186 to win 100 in this argument because you would already invest 200 in the exactas. So why not invest less? At $186 to win 100. And if they win in a sweep or in five, you're going to win $100. Right? So the thing is, if they win in five, when you do the exact as you'd only win 70. But if you do the spread, you would still win 100. But if they win in a sweep and instead you did the spread, well, then you're only winning 100 where you could win 150 if you bet the exact price for the Bucks to win in a sweep. So that's what I'm saying. It depends how confident you are in the Bucks to sweep. I'm very confident in that, but I think I got a little bit more. You get more security in a sense, I guess I would say, with doing the spread series outcome. But hold up. You may be saying, Danny, I listen to Rush Hour. That's not what you bet. That's not what you tweeted about. That's not the clip that came out. And you're right. But I'm saying that would be your first thought to do the spread series outcome. But there is a bet that is the exact same here, okay? And that is the total games played in the series. So let, let me put it this way. Our thought process is that the Bucks are either going to win in a sweep or win in five, right? That's what we've been saying this whole time. So in order to do that for the Bucks to win in five or win in a sweep, 
they would have to cover the two and a half on a series spread, correct? Correct. And that price is minus 186. But also, if the Bucks are going to sweep or win the series in five games, that would mean that the total games played in this series would be under five and a half, correct? Correct. Then why, for the prop bet of the total games played in this series, is the under five and a half minus 177? I just laid it out to you. The Bucks minus two and a half is the same bet as the total games played in this series under five and a half. However, the spread for the Bucks minus two and a half is minus 186, and the total games played in the series is minus 177 for under five and a half. Folks, it's the same exact bet. The difference here is that they're thinking, oh, well, I don't know, maybe if the Bulls do end up winning, you know, two games and he gets screwed on that. I don't even know why, honestly, because let's be honest, with the Bucks as such an overwhelming favorite, if they're going to have this series be under five and a half games, it's because the Bucks are winning in a sweep or in five, which again is the same bet as the minus two and a half at minus 186. But why not do the total games playing the series under five and a half, which is the same bet because if it is under five and a half, it's because of the Bucks. And instead of doing the minus 186, you get nine cents better on the minus 177. And Bet Rivers is the only book offering the hooks on the total games played in the series, ladies and gentlemen. Every other book has the number that is whole, so you can push, and it's harder. You get it at four, five, and six. But Bet Rivers is great because they're giving you the hook. So I'm betting the total games played in this series under five and a half, minus 177. Yes, I took a little piece of the exact the prices, but if I'm going with my my official more legitimate bet that I want to offer to you people, it's for the total games played in the series under 5.5, minus 177. And you could do the series correct score exact price. Again, it's the same thought process. With the sweep, you're going to win more, right? You could win 150. But if it wins in 5, then you're only going to win 70 with these prices at Bet Rivers. But if it's still they win in 5 or sweep, I'm going to win 100 bucks regardless with the total games played in the series under 5.5. Because I'm going to invest 177 in this hypothetical example. So I'm going to invest 177 and win 100. I'm investing less. With the possibility of winning more if it does end in 5. Because 177 win 100. Whereas you're investing 200 on the exactas. And if it finishes in 5, you would only win 70. But under 5.5 games, if you're investing 177, you win 100 if it still wins in 5. So that's why I think it's a little bit safer to do the total games played in this series under 5.5 minus 177. We know it's the same bet as the spread series outcome. We know it's a better price than that one. So that's why I'm going to take that. And God forbid, I mean, we love the Bulls. We're rooting for them. But of course, we're being objective here. If the Bulls do win two games, right, you lose everything. Well, you're investing less in the total games played in this series because it's just one singular bet at $177 to win 100 as opposed to investing $200 in the series' correct score. I know it may seem confusing, but it's really not. It's just kind of hard to interpret sometimes if you're not seeing it written in front of you. But if you can't take away anything from what I've said, take away this. You should bet the total games played in the series between the Bucks and the Bulls under 5.5 games at minus 177. That's what I'm playing right now. Again, like I said, I took a little piece of those exactas just because, but nothing too serious. But my main bet for the series right now 
It's going to be under five and a half total games played, minus 177. Let me know if you're confused a little bit. I'll try to explain it more so at Danny Burke 5, where you can reach me on Twitter, or you can email me, dburke at bsin.com. That's going to do it for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you very much for tuning in, folks. Let me know how you're looking to approach the Cubs game tonight. Let me know how you're looking to bet the NBA playoffs. We'll exchange thoughts and hopefully some winners. But until tomorrow, with our next episode of the Chicago City Cast, best of luck to all of you out there and take care.